0: Welcome to Star Wars Action News' coverage of the 2013 San Diego Comic-Con International, hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Be sure to come to SWActionNews.com to see hundreds of photos from the convention floor and chat with other listeners about the news and exclusives from San Diego Comic-Con.
1: So we are here. It is the San Diego Comic-Con coverage from Star Wars Action News. We're going to be talking about Sideshow. We're going to be talking about Gentle Giant, Bukia,
2: And some Angry Birds. A lot of
1: Angry Birds. Let's start with Hasbro. We're recording this a while after the Hasbro panel, and I was torn. I'm excited for the upcoming show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I wanted to go to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. I knew there was going to be a long line for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and It was immediately after the Hasbro panel, and because I wanted to cover Hasbro for Star Wars Action News, and I was excited, optimistic, some may say foolishly so, that we're going to see so much new stuff coming, and interested in how they'd handle their Q&A, knowing that there's a lot of nerd rage out there on the internet. You
2: didn't say it right. Nerd rage. Internet
1: rage. Okay, thank you. So, I was really interested in that. Oh boy, there's about 40 minutes of my life I will never get back.
2: I don't even know what to say because 75% of the presentation was the new Angry Birds line and the telepods ripped off of Skylander and then that one Marvel game that you brought home where you set the little people on your iPad.
1: Yeah, that was done by Heroclix. Here's the thing, I'm just going to say this. I think the telepods are a cool idea. I think that Skylander made a fortune off of them.
2: Yes, however, you've taken it out of maybe the iPhone game now. And they didn't say if it was iPhone, they mentioned iPad. But I'll be honest, I kind of lost interest. I think it's a cool concept. I've
1: always said Angry Birds isn't for me. And let them make what they want to make. I picked up the exclusive. We talked in our preview night show. The exclusive I thought was kind of cute. But the Angry Birds aren't for me. I'm not going to pay much attention to the Angry Birds. I might actually play the game. I like the Angry Birds games. I think it's a cool idea, although I rankle at it. I'm an old-school gamer who likes to buy a game and then maybe buy an expansion pack. I don't like these, we're going to nickel and dime you to death, and by the time you're done, you've spent $250 for a game.
2: Yeah, it is different gameplay, and I wonder if this Skylander game has really changed the face of gaming to to intertwine toys and the games so you have a bigger market there because either way you buy the game you buy the toys you need the toys sometimes to play the game if you want they're optional you could also just sell them separately too
1: my guess, and this is just me talking here, but we know that coast to coast, Angry Birds toys were red-tagged at Walmarts and Targets and Toys R Us's. They were clearanced out online. You could buy them for a song, a bird song at that. (laughs) I'm thinking that Angry Birds, the video game, was enormously successful, the Star Wars one. They said it was the number one selling Angry Birds game. There were a lot of Rovio people. There were as many Rovio people from the Angry Birds game maker there as there were Hasbro people on the panel.
2: Yeah, I was Surprised at that when they started the announcements and they said, Well, we have Hasbro, Hasbro, and then there was Angry Birds.
1: So I think that maybe the game did well. I think maybe the toys didn't do well. I think they're looking at all the Skylander money and realizing, hey, we can start having a continual source of income. You want to play as Obi-Wan? Give us $5. You want to play as Vader? Give us $35, because the only way to get Vader telepod is by buying a huge 40-piece box set.
2: And for those of you who are wondering what we're talking about, you haven't seen it yet, what it is is it's a little tube you put your little angry bird person on, and they have a QR code on the bottom. You set it over there. Optical reader of your device and it transports that character into the game.
1: Cool idea. You know what? That is awesome. Fine. I might even play the game a little bit. I might even pick up a couple of packs because I thought there were one or two cute ones to take a look at. But I don't want to hear 40 minutes about it, if you're going to do that, have an entire panel that's dedicated to Angry Birds Star Wars the way you used to have the Knights of the Old Republic panel. Bring in that specific audience. If you are having a Hasbro Star Wars panel, the focus should be, in my opinion, it has always been this is our 8th year at Comic Con, the focus has always been action figures. They might go a little bit, hey, here's a couple of role play toys, FX lightsabers. Hey, here's some of those connects. Hey, have you checked out our customs motorcycle But they're one to two slides at most. This was over 30 minutes of Angry Birds. And by the time they were done, they had Angry Podcaster in the audience.
2: There was a lot of people who just had a collective, huh?
1: And again, I'm not upset that they're making them. I hope they make a lot of money off of them. I hope Rovio and Hasbro get to Scrooge McDuck and all their Angry Birds money. Great. Fine. It's not going to be my money, but fine. But what it's turned into is a whole bunch of internet rage. I just wish they hadn't wasted my time. Internet rage. I also think that what they showed for the 6-inch line and the 3 and 3 quarter inch line was very lackluster. Now, we talked to the gentleman from Galactic Hunter, and they said they think that there's a reveal schedule for CE2. Now, Hasbro Germany is there. There's been no word of the actual Hasbro brand team there.
2: We'll know next week.
1: So if they're holding back reveals, that's great. But they showed wave two of the six-inch line very excited about that. I think that they look good. They went on and on about how they're trying to hide the articulation. Something I love is a highly articulated figure that doesn't look like a Lego by the time it's done. I don't like the G.I. Joe style of articulation where you can see the screws. I like something that looks well sculpted. They talked a lot about that and how they're really trying to make the best figures they can make. And on a Slave Leia, no less, there's not a lot of clothes to hide that in.
2: No, and I will admit, a little bit of me was disappointed with the Slave Leia, but then again, it's the 30th anniversary turn of the Jedi, so it makes sense that they would make that.
1: And I'm excited because they got Han and Greedo.
2: Yeah, that was kind of fun.
1: I was also excited that they've announced the Build-A-Droid wave that was cancelled will find a home and be released through Amazon. I think that's really cool.
2: Amazon's getting a lot of exclusives lately, so maybe this is a brand new avenue for us, which is great because we're Prime members, so...
1: Yeah, and so I'm very excited that those figures are coming out, but those were the only two bits of news that we really got out of the Hasbro panel. When they start talking about exclusives, other than those figures, every bit of exclusives news was the slide they showed us at Toy Fair. It was nothing to
2: tweet. No, it was just kind of there. It
1: looks like a different time for toy collecting. I did get a chance to talk to some of the gentlemen at Hasbro at their booth. And this interview may not be exactly what you expect Because I'm not going to ask them Why'd you spend so much time on Angry Birds And things like that I'm, There's going to be a lot of sites there Asking a lot of questions I tried a little bit of a different tact with this So I hope you enjoy this Q&A Which is probably different than a Q&A I've asked in a long time So we are here with Jeff Labowitz Daryl DePriest and Jin Han From Hasbro Hello sirs Hello. Hey. Welcome to the show I kind of want to go macro level for a little bit, because I've been collecting Star Wars since you guys started the line again in 95. Things have changed, obviously. And I look back at the heady days. I was thinking, you know, I've been coming to Comic-Con. This is my eighth year. And I was thinking back to 2008 and the midnight release down in Mission Valley, Toys R Us and everything, and all those toy lines and all those toys and the first day of issue. How can you tell me the toy industry has changed and the consumer buying patterns have changed in the past eight years?
3: Well, of course, Star Wars is remains one of the biggest brands out there, probably the biggest licensed brand. That really hasn't changed. But but one thing we know, and likewise, collectors, you know, they uh, ebb, and, ebb and flow a little bit. But the Star Wars collector is harder core than most. So we've got that core that we continue to cater to with things like the Black Series, the new introduction. But what does change is the kid, you know, the overall kid interest. That depends on the relevance of the entertainment. With Clone Wars winding down, it's a little bit of a quieter year for us. But uh, what, you know, I remember I was there in 2008 at the Mission Valley Midnight Madness. That was nuts. With... The entertainment that's coming on the horizon for us—you're going to see that all over again, Arnie. It's going to be absolutely crazy. We'll be back. We've got some great stuff this year, and, and as the new entertainment comes out, it's—it's it's a reason to celebrate
1: all over again. And also, I got to say, I'm a big fan of the Six Inch Black series. I can tell from our listeners, it's been kind of divided. There's the people who've been buying three and three quarters since they were kids. That's what they have bought. That's what they're used to, and they don't want to go bigger. I love the sculpts. I love the articulation. I love the detail. But I've heard so much, you know, talking to you guys about, you know, the rising cost of labor, the rising cost of oil, the rising cost of plastics. And in the 90s, it seemed like the bigger figures were more the norm. And then with Toy Biz and other companies doing five inch, six inch figures, as those costs increased, three and three quarter inch figures, which you guys had always been doing with Joe and Star Wars, kind of became the norm again. And. People have asked for years, I remember the Hasbro Q&As, rumors of 6-inch Star Wars figures, and it's not happening, it's not happening. So what happened, what came together in this time of expensive plastics to finally jump to 6-inch figures? So we've
3: talked about 6-inch for years. Our focus, though, and and this is well stated, so we knew that we could have launched 6-inch at any time in the past, but... We, our focus has been on driving three and three quarters as, as the kind of legacy expression of Star Wars, that heritage scale. Now we think on the precipice of new entertainment in front of us and, you know, a, a little bit of a scaling back of our three and three quarter plan. The time was right to unleash six inch. And luckily we had the right man join us who could oversee that team to execute that in Jinhan.
4: You, Daryl. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, really, what we want our fans to understand is the 6 inch Black Series figures. You know, I joined the team in December, but based on what I know, it really felt like the team didn't want to put out just any other 6 inch Star Wars line. We really wanted it to feel premium. We wanted to celebrate Star Wars. We wanted it to make it feel really special, uh, more so than any of the other 6 inch figures that are out there, because after all, it's Star Wars, right? I was just really lucky to come on board at the right time to be a part of a line like this. I mean, the amount of work that we put into each of these figures is just phenomenal. You know, I, I cannot take the credit for the work that my team does because they spend hours upon hours, days upon days, just making sure that every little detail is accurate. So, How far into development of the 6-inch line was it when you joined in December? So at that point, Wave 1 was right in the middle of development, I believe. And uh, the Comic-Con exclusive was also right around the, in the middle. And I came on board then and... Now we're planning out all of fourteen and beyond, so it's been a great ride. I will say on the on the black six-inch series, the reason,
3: really, one of the the main reasons for uh, jumping into it at this time, was because we realized, you know, we read the message boards too. We realized that a lot of guys, after twenty-eight hundred or so, three and three-quarter figures and crazy number of vehicles, it can be a formidable line. And for the guys who have been with us a long time, the obscure characters are all that's left for them. And there's a lot of guys who are on the sides, we know that, who've either jumped out or can't afford it anymore. And it gives everybody a fresh start, you know. The long-term fan, a chance to start something new, because these figures like Jin said are awesome. You know, we poured our heart and soul into these. But at the same time, the, the folks who've been on the sidelines for a while and not participating in keeping up with three and three quarters, who might have said, yeah, I'm done. It's a chance to start new, and we're going to keep the pacing regular. We want to do like pretty much no more than sixteen of these a year, spaced out every few months. So you know that's that's our our promise to the fans is that you'll be able to afford to get them and find them regularly.
1: From an audience standpoint, though, and from a your manpower standpoint. Does the six-inch in any way decrease the number of three and three-quarter-inch figures you could have done if you weren't doing six-inch figures?
5: No, absolutely not. It's never a question of resources. It's just strategic priorities. And and as Daryl said, six-inch is a labor of love, and we wanted to pull the trigger on that. But that in no way compromises our support for the three and three-quarter-inch business. There's plenty of folks passionate at Hasbro. They're clamoring to work on the Star Wars line. So it's definitely not an issue trying to recruit folks. ...internally to work on our toys. But, you know, overall, I think one thing
3: Hasbro does extremely well is... When there is big entertainment news, we celebrate that like crazy. So, and you know, Star Wars fans have been with us for a long period of time. Know that when a movie comes out or a TV series like Clone Wars and, and Rebels, you know, down the down the road, we're going to make a big deal about about that. It's a quieter time in Star Wars right now because we're we're really between the big entertainment events. So, just, just, just the calm hold on. The
5: storm. It, yeah, this is the calm before the storm.
1: Talk about the collectors' audience and the kids' audience. We'll talk about the kids' audience in just a minute. You don't think that you're not scaling back in quantity at all, thinking that collector dollars are only so much. You're not going to overburden collectors in any way with this.
3: Well, we we know in the past we've seen the pain of collectors. You know, when we were producing a line that would cost, you know, if you got all of it, you know, somewhere in fifteen hundred dollars, almost. That's too much for a lot of guys who. Fortunately, a lot lot of our fans, you know, they live month to month, you know, almost. But the experience, that part of their life is collecting figures. We are sensitive to that and want to make sure that we're making affordable collections and not make it so much where it's a burden to collect and impossible to keep up. So we want to have affordable figures, bite-sized collections, keep them going for the long term so there's always something to find, and keep that flow coming into retail regularly. That's the heart of collecting is all about and making awesome figures that you're very proud to collect. Collect and, enjoy.
1: and then you guys talked in the panel yesterday about the legends figures, the saga legends and how you guys are really proud of the sculpts and the paint apps on that and that your research shows kids don't really care about articulation the way collectors do. Can you speak a little bit to that? How did the revelation come about that kids don't care if there's ball jointed ankles?
5: So we do a lot of research with kids. We've got an on-site lab you know, where we talk to lots of kids and we watch them play. We all have kids. We watch them play. And we found that having the ankles and the wrists, and it, they were getting a little bit fussy for the kids and harder to play with. So we realized it made a lot of sense to go back to the origins of the line. Our goal was to make the line much more collectible again. We didn't want $9 figures for kids. We wanted it to be like it was when we were growing up where they were cheaper and you can get a lot of them. So we felt like it was we were willing to sacrifice the articulation and we proved it out with kids that they were willing to give that up to get lower price figures that look great and were still very high quality came with good accessories and made for great play
3: there's, and sometimes there's a flip side to highly articulated figures. In addition to the important point that Jeff makes about the collectability, Star Wars is extremely fun. It's it's a fantasy where the, kind of the more you get, the funner it is because it's an epic galactic war at its heart. Small group of rebels against a you know big group of imperial oppressors. But you know to get more, we really had to kind of detune everything. There's another real motivating factor for doing it was just the number of complaints that we get in consumer. Affairs sometimes about the wrists falling off clone troopers and they can't find them. The small parts, the, the more you use them, you know they can become disengaged. I know collectors know this. So just, I've seen the comments as well. We're kind of going back to just great toys. They sit in vehicles. They, you can raise the blasters. You can raise lightsabers. It's the way I played Star Wars when I was a kid. I never noticed all the articulation was missing. So, you know, so, you know we're very proud to kind of return to that in our Saga and Mission series. but But keep the premium expressions going in the black series
1: has your research shown that you've been doing the legends for a while now with the packs that were coming out recently and also the smaller vehicles are kids buying more star wars toys now that you've been doing this
6: well we just got started on this
1: well the small vehicles were announced last year i think either here is comic-con or celebration and those have been out for a while now, the 1999 yeah, Class 2s. They've yeah. only been out for a yeah. few It's still yeah. early.
3: It's still okay. very early. Usually, vehicles will follow figures. There's a definite correlation. So, you know, we feel really good that uh, we'll see that, you know, we'll see that consumer response and that jump when we get our uh, SOG mission fully in market this fall.
1: And then I was excited to hear you guys were doing the Droid Factory series, being able to put that out through Amazon. You talked about how Amazon's an important partner, and that's a new partner for you guys.
3: Well, Amazon is, is obviously an incredible partner with an, an incredible track record of, of growth. And, you know, it's n- no surprise we're in the digital age and you know, it's the way of the future. In other countries in the world, Amazon, you know, has a very, very high market share. And they're growing here in the U.S. as well. So we're very happy to partner with them. And we wouldn't be doing it if they didn't have very passionate fans to their core on the staff there. That's what it takes. It takes willing retail partners who want to step up and support the line, uh, match with you know our, our efforts. So we're very happy to have a great program with them. And we hope to continue that you know, far into the future.
1: So that actually may have answered an implication, but let me verify my next question. is: It I was wondering how partnering with Amazon, when you guys have your own online presence with Hasbro Toy Shop, how that kind of work since both are e-tailers, but does Amazon, it has a more global reach then?
3: Uh, Amazon does have a global reach, but our intention with Hasbro Toy Shop is not to compete with major retailers. So, you know, our pricing, you know, is on par. It, it's just meant as a, uh, as a, as a way to get, you know, to get product that may be scarcer sometimes, but Hasbro Toy Shop is not our, not our main priority. Our serving our retailers is our main priority.
1: I talked to you guys before we went on. You guys are going to be revealing more at Celebration Europe too, correct?
5: Yes. For for those who will be joining us in Germany right around the corner, we will be revealing more Black Series waves and more saga and mission figures and a lot more good news to come.
1: Great, and I noticed that this was kind of unusual. Your San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, the Han and Boba Fett, didn't have any San Diego Comic-Con markings, no sticker or anything. Is the Celebration Europe 2 exclusive going to follow suit on that?
5: That's right. That's correct. It doesn't have the markings here at Comic-Con because it's also available at Celebration, so and vice versa.
1: In the panel yesterday, you were talking about the six-inch figures and the articulation versus the sculpt. That hit me where I live because I like articulation, but I go against some of our listeners because, as you kind of say, I would prefer something that looks really good, but I like that happy medium. You know, the G.I. Joe look where you see the screws kind of takes it away from me when you're dealing with movie characters like Star Wars and things. And when you're dealing with the six-inch line, I think you've done such a great job at hiding those articulation points and making them look natural. What kind of challenges do you face when doing
4: that? So a lot of the highly articulated figures out there, you, you see the balls, you see the joints, and you, it's a give and take, right? You're getting great movement, but you're uh, you're compromising a little bit of the aesthetic. With uh, Star Wars Black Series, we, uh, we we try to hide as much of the articulation as possible. You know, we're going to sculpt into the joint wherever we can. We're not going to let the discs and the pins just uh, be that clean ball shape where where it is. But um, it takes a lot because once we start getting into manufacturing, then we have to. Then we need to start thinking about uh, tooling and how it's going to pull from the mold. So you know, there's a lot of back and forth that we do both with our sculpting team here and with our vent, our engineers in in Asia. So you know we 're just glad that a lot of this stuff actually works and we 're coming up with a lot of new innovations on how to sculpt and articulate figures very, very in a very different way than you 've seen in the past so
1: and with one of the ones coming up, I mean, doing Jabba's prisoner, Leia, right there, you kind of lose the ability to hide when you've got all the bare skin. It's harder
4: than when you can have wrinkles of clothing. How do you approach that challenge? <laughs> I'm telling you, that was, that was the toughest. So just in general, female figures are harder to sculpt because they're going to have thinner forearms, you know, thinner wrists, but she'll still need to get the right pegs in there. That's going to pass our QA testing because if they pull, pull off, fall off, break off, it's not going to work. With Leia in particular, we went through many, many stages on just figuring out how to hide her elbows and knees as much as possible. This is where the labor of love comes into play because we are willing to go and uh, the typical joint would be a ball and socket, essentially. What we did was we sculpted the joint so that we hit it as much as possible and it's flush against uh, against the connecting piece. You know, little things like that may not be immediately noticeable, but, you know, aesthetically, it's not immediately noticeable. But If you really look into it and compare that to a female figure that we did in the past, vastly different you know in the past on three or three quarter we'd have huge bits right at the elbows and at the knees because you can't hide that luckily six inch figure allows us to do a little bit more um work the magic a little bit more
1: can you talk to us a little bit about the challenges encountered with the r2d2 i know that that's been kind of on the message boards that these people talking a lot about the final shots released of the r2d2 and how it is in scaling and paint app and such
3: there are some differences between the uh, sample we showed at Toy Fair and the final production
5: version.
1: It had a bit more of a wash to it, a different paint app, slightly different uh, yeah, proportions. I, I
3: heard that, too. You know, things change. So when we when we show prototypes, you know, say it's something at, at a place like Toy Fair, and I, I think, Jeff, you may have even in the presentation had this not finally approved by Lucas. Or That's not, right. Not, not approved. So we try and caveat that whenever possible because things will always change. Our licensing partner, Lucasfilm, has... You know every right to to come in and give an opportunity to comment and adjust to get closer to uh, to say you know the film accurate you know reference that we have. So things will always change. In that case, it was just simply we showed a pre-final version, hadn't been approved yet. Lucasfilm said you could show it, and then and then changes happen. Unfortunately, we, we don't know the details. It's you know that specific designer who, who discussed that Lucas Lucasfilm isn't here right now.
1: Okay, great. And again, thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. It's been great to talk to you, and I'll see a couple of you in Germany next week.
3: Thanks for the support. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks to the guys at Hasbro. You know, I'm a little disappointed in the presentation. I'm honest about that, but I do thank you for taking the time to talk to me and trying to make the figures the best they can be. Another piece of news we didn't mention beforehand, very excited about 6-inch vehicles, the Biker Scout. That's going to be awesome.
2: That is going to be really cool. I'm interested to see how that's going to happen.
1: I honestly think vehicles for the 12-inch, you run out of space real quick. You buy one or two is good, but 6-inch, that's
2: kind of a nice scale. It is, and again, I'm really interested to see how this shapes out. Moving
1: on from there, we have Sideshow. Now, Sideshow... Did the exact opposite of Hasbro. They actually provided so much news before the con that I imagine most of you are listening to us, and perhaps you have someone in your house on a little Gilligan's Island exercise bike because you lost power because you had to pay so much of your credit cards on premium formats and 12 inch figures.
2: It was kind of hard and heavy there for a while, wasn't it? I mean, they put out six
1: clones, they put out a bunch of premium formats. I picked up the Snow Trooper. They had a panel of high-end collectibles, and it really looks like Sideshow's going to be getting into the life-sized collectibles a lot.
2: And I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, they're really cool, but at the same time, again, it's a space issue. A
1: big space issue. As Justin's often said on Marvelicious Toys, I think it's a great thing if you own a comic shop or you have a home theater and a lot of extra money. Exactly. For me, I think a Han and Carbonite would be wonderful. I still think it's going to be outside my price range based on those droids they did. I'd love it, but it's the price of a Nissan.
2: Yeah, you could buy a small car.
1: They have not announced a price on the Han. I'm going off the droids. I could buy a small used car for $9,000 that was run reliably and probably has a little manufacturer's warranty left on it. This is click and clack with car talk now, but... They talked about how they're doing a whole Bespin thing. They're going to be doing a life-size Darth Vader that's going to also be on the Bespin base to go with the Han and the Boba Fett. The Han's nice. That's my number one. A Boba Fett's a place near him. It's kind of cool. But then you get Han. I'm like, wow, well, what's next? You're going to do Lando? If it was the only thing I collected, I would have the space and maybe, maybe the money. If I got rid of all action figures and everything else, I might be able to buy a life-sized figure a year and just display that. And that would be very cool if I wanted to own, like, the Illinois version of Ripley's Wax Museum.
2: Yeah, I just don't see the point for a whole bunch of these.
1: But to the toys, to the less expensive things they didn't have a lot to show. Last year here, there were so many premium formats. Based off of seeing it here, I ordered the Force Unleashed Shakti. I thought it looked like a great piece. Here we are a full year later. I'm still waiting for my Force Unleashed Shock Shakti. The shipping on these is kind of delayed.
2: Yeah, it just seems to kind of be pushed out and pushed out and pushed out, and sometimes I forget what you've ordered, I'll be honest.
1: Sometimes I forget what I've ordered. I look around here, and the Cody looks very good. The Darth Malgus is already out, but there's just not a whole lot of star wars here other than what we know so i think sideshow's quality is up i think their quantity is down which may be good after all the items they put out for sale recently six clones and more i'm surprised to be seeing less here although the highlight of the 12 inch line for me here that grievous is cool and they have imposed in the booth in a way that's more badass than he ever looked on screen
2: That whole diorama is really great, though, with everyone in there, except for Darth Malgus. He doesn't really fit in there. He's
1: homeless. There's not enough of him to go around.
2: No, but you're right. The Grievous is tremendous, and I think Grievous is a nice thing to do. I think he's easy for them to sculpt because he's just spindly, and it's really hard to screw him up.
1: He's an easy thing to look good, but he was hard for them to sculpt. They talked about how they spent three years trying to get Grievous right. Wow. So it's really an impressive-looking piece. They knew they had to get it right, but I think you have a problem with engineering when he's spindly. He's not human, so you don't have to worry about likeness, but you have to worry about playability, articulation, and durability. And I think they did a knockout job. All I know is I've spent a lot of money there already before the con. I kind of hope they slow down a little. Please. Right now, it is Thursday, and we are standing outside the Funko booth, as we reported in our preview night coverage. This line was completely full, shut down, capped, so this was my first priority today, was getting over here. I ended up being eighth in line, and the reason being, they kind of had a surprise Star Wars exclusive, a holiday special colored Boba Fett pop vinyl.
2: I love the holiday special color Boba. I I love the candy pastel coloring of it, and I just think it's so cool.
1: I'll be honest. I thought this was the Celebration Europe exclusive. There is a Boba Fett Celebration Europe exclusive in a similar color scheme, and I can't tell if, like, the Hasbro one, it's just a shared exclusive, Comic-Con and Celebration (laughs) Europe, or if when we get over there, there's going to be a slightly different one, but I think looking at the picture and looking at the one in my hand, that these are the same.
2: Well, that's super cool, then. That makes it easy for collectors.
1: Yeah, so we got that taken care of. Right across the aisle from them is Super Seven, who have some exclusive t shirts that we are giving away tomorrow at our breakfast. And while not specifically Star Wars, they have a Star Wars inspired collectible here the Alien Early Bird set with alien figures that were made off of old Kenner figure prototypes.
2: They are super awesome, too. If I was into collecting another line, I would get those. I'll be honest. It's
1: so tempting, especially for the alien figure and the fact that they went with the retro Kenner packaging and doing the early bird set the way that Star Wars did back in the 70s, which was an original concept. They weren't going to early bird set the figures, but they have those available. Those are not a con exclusive, so definitely check those out, and we're going to return to the floor. We are at the Acme Archive booth. It's noon on Thursday. I picked up my Bausch, and it's a character key. Yeah,
2: it's a character key. We've seen it before. They're good. I still have never hung all of these because I can't find enough frames to do it. At
1: one point, we did have them all hung. Then they made more. A lot more. That was right before the glut.
2: Yeah, so that's going to be a challenge.
1: This key? If I didn't have every other character key, I wouldn't have bought this key. Looking at it, I would have come up here and just been like, "Mm okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the whole oversaturation thing for me.
1: But now, there is another.
2: There is another. They're supposed to release another via Twitter, and they said they're going to do it at noon, and we've not heard anything yet.
1: It's 1210, so we're hovering around. All they say is, check the Twitter feed. It's a super secret Star Wars character key. So now, I must know. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in after being completely unimpressed with the layup Bausch key. I saw on Twitter, thanks to Scott Crispy Kenobi, that there's a secret key. And I happened to be picking up my Bausch right about 11.50 on Thursday. And I said, is there another key? They are like, check Twitter. Why don't you just tell me? Check Twitter. And somebody says, it's going to be at noon. Well, it was actually 12.01. And they kind of looked at each other and were like, check Twitter. And so we went, we had some lunch, and I obsessively checked Twitter.
2: Yes, 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 you did. You obsessively checked Twitter.
1: It was mostly because we were right by the booth. We just went straight upstairs. We were staying close by. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, I'm going to buy it. Maybe a Celebration Europe key. Got pretty excited when their tweet showed up. It was... 1230 or so, and couldn't quite hear it. It was in a crowd. Somebody was singing something on the Twitter. But all I could tell is they were holding up a Han-In Carbonite character key.
2: Yes, and that is your kryptonite, so to speak.
1: It's a character focus if hibernated, tortured souls are a character.
2: Sure they are. Absolutely. So I wasn't
1: in a huge hurry. I'm like, well, we know about it. Never had too hard a time getting character keys before. We'll finish our lunch and go back. I had an interview to do, so Marjorie, you went down and... I'm going to buy the key.
2: Yeah, I stood in line, and there was maybe about four people in line, maybe a little bit more. And the guy kept going down the line asking each person what they wanted to buy. If you were buying anything except Han Solo, they were checking you out right away. And they kept saying if you're buying Han, you had to wait. So... It gets to be me, and I'm the first one. And the, the guy goes, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, did you check Twitter? I said, yeah. I said, look, my husband sent me down here to get this key. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, all right, you're good. I'll get it to you. Hang on. So I'm like, all right. I don't know what I was supposed to do. And think of it. And so he sold me the key. No big deal. Well, I was standing there with Odie from Sandtroopers and... They made him sing the Lumberjack song from Monty Python. That was what the video was, is you had to go down there in order to get the key, and you had to sing the Lumberjack song. And because I was just real pushy broad, I suppose, I didn't have to. I'm so glad I sent you. I bet you are. I had you hanging for a few minutes there, thinking that they made me sing and dance.
1: I was hoping for a video myself. Ah, All I knew, you started the conversation correctly. You texted me and said that you had the key. That was the important thing. If you had to sing, dance, whatever. But what I didn't know and what I couldn't believe is how limited this key was.
2: 75 pieces.
1: And they were doing 18 per day. And you got number four. I did get number four. That is a crazy low number. It's a silly way to do it, to make people sing. I like Silly. I think it's kind of fun. But, wow. That is the best exclusive of the con. I'm putting it right now. Best exclusive of the con because it's kind of a fun way to do it. Extraordinarily limited. And it's my favorite freaking character.
2: Yeah, it is your favorite.
1: Him and Greedo. Those are the two. Han and Carbonite gave me nightmares. Greedo was always kind of my pal.
2: If your pal gets shot and is a bounty hunter, Okay.
1: So that was the biggest surprise of the con.
2: Yeah, a completely unannounced secret exclusive.
1: That's crazy. That's like a 3A thing to do. That's so underground. It is. It's the single most fun collecting experience this convention has had to offer.
2: Yeah, it was fun. I'm glad I didn't have to sing, though.
1: Will you sing it now for the listeners? I don't know it. I can call it up.
2: No, 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 no,
1: no. We are at JList.com's booth where we are seeing some very cool Japanese plastic cups.
2: They're like those old plastic cups that you saw in the 70s, those little coffee cups. They're very cute. They have a set of droids, and then they got Stormtrooper and Darth Vader. $10 for four of them. Super duper cute.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen these before. They're Japanese with a bunch of Kotobukiya stuff here, but I haven't seen these cups. The R2 units are cool because they've got all the different R2 units of which I cannot remember the names of them, but the black one, the red one, the green one, and R2-D2. So they're instantly jumping to what Kotobukiya and so many of the others have with that droid factory. The other set, Darth Vader flanked by three stormtroopers. I think that's a good arrangement.
2: It is a good arrangement, yes.
1: i have a feeling if we bought those and you gave me coffee in the morning, I'd get the Vader and the rest of the house would have stormtroopers.
2: That's exactly what would happen. Now we're at the Kodo booth and looking at their new stuff they've got out.
1: Yeah, stormtroopers galore, General Grievous, the new sandtroopers. We talked to Dan Luan who walked us through all of the new things on display here and we are here with dan lon at kotobuki again hello sir hi arnie And you've got a bunch of cool stuff. You've got some new things on display and
7: some signs for some exciting things coming down the pike. Sure, yeah. Actually, we've shown these images on Facebook. We're showing our Sand Trooper 2-pack and our Sand Trooper single-pack. The Sand Trooper 2-pack is scheduled to be available January 2014. You'll get enough different pieces to do four distinct poses. And then the Sand Trooper sergeant is also going to be available in January.
1: And the pre-orders for that are up, I believe. I think our sponsor, Big Bad Toy Store, has the two-pack available for pre-order.
7: Yes, I believe I saw some pre-orders popping up. You should see more pre-orders in the next week or so.
1: And the Grievous is coming out later this year, a fantastic fantastic looking piece, just with that cape and all the detail on him. We've seen him before, but again, just seeing him on display here, it's one of my favorite ones of the upcoming line, so I'd have to just mention him again.
7: Yeah, I mean, the tooling on that is so intricate to get all those fine mechanical parts, I mean, the fact that you can display him with the cape on and off, I think fans are going to be really happy with this piece. Does he have the magnetized feet like all the Artifacts Plus have? You know, that's something I need to check in with our development department, but I'm pretty sure he does. That's just one of the trademarks of our Artifacts Plus line, but I need to check up on that, and I can get you an update on that when we get back to the office. Yeah, because with the clawed feet, it just
1: would be a little bit different than usual. Yeah,
7: definitely, definitely.
1: And then you've announced some upcoming additions to the Artifacts Plus line from A New Hope, the big three. You've got a Han and Chewbacca two-pack and then a Luke and Princess Leia two-pack.
7: You got it. And this is a direct result of the fans asking for us to expand the line past troopers. So we're going to go ahead and tackle these four highly requested characters. Um, The concept is to have them be able to displace as a single piece, have them displayed as a duo or put all four pieces together to form a really nice kind of diorama
1: very nice and i know marjorie got really excited seeing the a New Hope princess leia because she thinks that you know being a female that leia needs more representation in the collection yeah. so
7: yeah and you know we, we may be uh, giving leia some more love in the future so you know. well you
1: got to figure she's pretty high up on the list of people for the bishojo line <laughs>
7: yeah she's definitely on the short
1: list And speaking of, you've got her sister-in-law. We've seen the concept art now for Mara Jade.
7: Yes, we're really pleased with the results we've seen. The fan response has been tremendous for our Mara Jade Bishojo statue. We've already started sculpting that piece. We weren't ready to show anything here at the booth, but for those who join us at the Star Wars Collector panel on Friday, I'll be showing the first ever uh, photo of that uh, sculpt in progress.
1: Very nice. I got to say, I really like what you've done with the art there. Again, representing it, you know, the way we've talked in the past about how it's a bit more conservative for the Bishojo with the full bodysuit going and everything. Flowing cape. One of the things I love about the Kodo pieces is the dynamic nature you bring, especially to a lot of the Bishojo lines with the looking windswept and things. And I think that cape really adds that to the Mara Jade.
7: And plus the hair, a lot of the hair. And you'll see this on, on the other lines, but the hair... We can do it in a way where it gets a little more translucent towards the tips. It really sells it, you know, that the fact that her hair is blowing in the wind.
1: Also, back to the Artifacts Plus, you've announced a New York Comic-Con exclusive.
7: We have, actually, our first Comic-Con exclusive for the New York show, and that's going to be R2-Q5. And if you remember, Arnie, we showed a set of droids at Star Wars Celebration, and this was one of those droids. And we were just trying to figure out a way how to get this to the fans, and we figured that the best way would be to offer it as a limited piece to those attending New York Comic-Con. But We'll also most likely be having that up on our U.S. Uh, retail site, com. So if you're not attending New York, you'll still have an opportunity to purchase this piece. Very nice. Has that got a set edition size yet? It does, and I'm got to have to recheck it to see. I, I don't want to give any misinformation right now because this all came together very quickly.
1: And it's coming with a collectible coin as well.
7: Yes, it's going to come with a collectible coin, much as the Star Wars Celebration droid also came with a collectible coin.
1: Very nice. And then with your other items, I see that now the chopsticks have light-up features.
7: Yes, yes. We had had announced the light-up lightsaber chopsticks a while back, but we went back to the drawing board just to re-engineer them so they would perform even better for the consumer. So they were a bit delayed from our factory, but now we're on track to have those out. We're hoping around February 2014. pre order should open up in the next month or so.
1: And are the batteries replaceable?
7: Yes, batteries will be replaceable.
1: And then, also, in addition to the business card holder, our longtime listeners know that ever since you guys first announced these, and I think it was San Diego two years ago in the Star Wars collecting panel, but they weren't U.S. available, mm. that I have been championing these, and you've gotten these to the States, and now you've expanded the line and have a gold C3PO coming.
7: We do. We have the gold C3PO card case, we have the black. Darth Vader card case, and then silver uh, Stormtrooper case.
1: Yeah, these are absolutely amazing. When you showed the R2 and the Han Solo in carbonite initially, it was just a tremendous thing. I'm so glad you're able to distribute them in the States now. I really suggest our listeners check these out, because it's the to quality. I remember when you guys did those etched glasses oh, yeah. as well, that just that quality you bring to these common items and
7: make them highly collectible as well as very usable and functional and the the fact with the business card holders you don't have to have business cards to use them Uh, they'll fit standard size credit cards and you know ids so it's not limited just to business cards
1: all right well dan you are not going to be at celebration as i understand it uh yeah we
7: we wanted to put our energy into this show and then in japan we also have a show going on so we won't have a booth at celebration germany but we will see you in New York in October. You sure will be there with our exclusive R2-Q-5.
1: So, what of the announced products has you most excited? I know the answer.
2: Of course you know the answer. A New Hope Leia is finally getting some love. You know, nothing against Slave Leia, but come on, people. A New Hope Leia was the best Leia. The New Hope and Empire Strikes Back Leia were the best. She kicked some serious ass, and she was just awesome.
1: So I think we'll be adding those. Something I mentioned to Dan after the interview was they fit in so well as part of the Artifacts collection, but for people who may have not picked up the Vaders or the Boba Fett or the Stormtroopers, may not be into Imperials, may not be into armor, it's also like a new jumping-on point. It feels like a new way to go to have these totally human characters and a Wookiee in the Artifacts Plus line. We just haven't seen a whole lot of that. We've seen it in the Clone Wars line, but those were in those animated styles but to see the realistic human figures but then stormtroopers and darth vader and the droids already out that can complement those figures so well to recreate the a new hope scenes
2: yeah you could have a really cute new hope diorama with the artifact statues i think
1: i'm definitely excited for the artifacts a new hope figures but there's something about that r2q5 i gotta get him at new york comic-con r2 units are adorable that's why Yeah, but I just love the glossy black one. The little bronze accents, it's a color scheme that really works. But, I mean, I'm looking at their R2D2 right next to it. The high, high gloss on the blue paint there, they just do such a great job with the paint on these.
2: They do, and it's just phenomenal. These are one of my favorite lines here, the artifact statues.
1: So we're at the Gentle Giant booth here on the Comic Con floor, and we're being joined by Justin from Marvelicious Toys, also a noted Star Wars collector in his own right. Oh yeah, I dabble. And looking at the stuff here that they have for Star Wars, the Con exclusives, Marjorie, you and I poo pooed the Admiral Akbar bust.
2: I just didn't see it, and maybe I just lacked that sense of humor. But I could find other ways to spend a hundred and was it seventy-five dollars, hundred fifty dollars.
1: I think it was one twenty five. The one fifty was what I spent on that Boba Fett. Well, to each his own. But the Akbar has been what has sold out every day at the con.
6: Yeah, that's weird. That's one that I didn't quite get either. I mean it's awesome looking, it's it's killer sculpted. I just I don't get it.
1: It's very niche, it's very unusual, and it's just not something that fits my collecting pattern for that money. I don't begrudge anyone who buys it.
2: It seems like it would appeal to somebody who raises chickens in their backyard and wears skinny jeans and eats organic and locally sourced food. I
1: disagree. I think it looks like the kind of person who already has a lot of pirate stuff in their house or those ship captain wooden carvings.
2: Who was that? Do those people still exist?
1: Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been to some houses. The Macquarie C-3PO bust, I'm going to say, I've already bought it, but it's the least visually impressive of the Macquarie busts. The alternate head it comes with, I will never display. It's a little puny. I prefer the head that's more in line with the painting I know and the Hasbro figures. It's the Boba Fett that's really impressive. If something was going to sell out, I think it would be that Boba Fett. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous piece. It's 150 bucks, but damn, it's nice.
6: Now that you've seen it, is it different from the original release at all?
1: I mean, it's a deluxe bus, so it's a lot of different poses you can get with this, a lot of posability. But I also just think the colors are a bit more vibrant. It could be that my other piece is several years old, maybe the paint has faded. I didn't buy it new, I wasn't collecting busts when that came out, I got it second-hand. But it seems in line with the other second-hand ones I've seen with just more muted colors, this one really pops. This one is eye-catching. Only a completist would need to go back and get the old one with this new one now available. Looking at their future stuff, there is the Adam Hughes Snow Bunny Padme statue, and they're doing an accompanying Yoda statue. And I actually got a chance to talk to Adam Hughes on the con floor. It was arranged before that piece was announced, because we're going to be doing a big talk to him over at Marvelicious. But here is a snippet from that interview discussing this Padme statue. So joining us now at San Diego Comic-Con 2013 is Adam Hughes. Thank you for coming.
8: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: So you've been doing statues for several years. I've been seeing your Sideshow stuff many years ago, and you've done DC Direct. General Giant just announced a piece. So was
9: the Sideshow line your first line of statues, page star? art? Wow, I, you know, I, I started on the sideshow stuff and the DC Direct stuff at around the same time. Uh, somebody better than me is going to have to recall which I did first, but I, I want to say, and don't hold me to it, I want to say that the, uh, the minibus, the first wave of minibus that I did for DC Direct, which was the first minibus they did, I think that preceded the sideshow stuff by a year or two, but don't hold me to it.
1: And how did you get involved? How did they approach you to do the minibus?
9: Well, you know, DC Direct is just one wing of DC Entertainment, so uh, they just contacted me and said, Hey, we want to do statues of your uh, art How do you feel about it? And I was like Okay. I mean, it's, it's interesting to see what another artist, meaning a sculptor, is going to do with my two-dimensional art. So I thought it would be fun. And, you know, we went from the, the mini busts to the full statues, the cover girls line. It wasn't a terrific amount of headache on my part. I mean, sculpting something takes so much longer than drawing just a model sheet of it or a figure drawing. So the, the sculptors like Jack Matthews or Tim Miller, or Tim Bruckner, guys like that, they're the ones that are, like, putting, like, their lives into this stuff. I really just felt like a general sitting on top of a tank with a, a cigar and some binoculars just kind of going... More boobs, less waste. you know, goofy stuff like that. So for the most part, for me, it was just kind of fun. It was more like a hobby than a, uh, than a job or an assignment.
1: Recently, just before the con, Gentle Giant announced a Padme Amidala in the snow outfit based on your artwork. What can you tell us about that?
9: Well, <laughs> that was the first I'd heard of it. Uh, um, you know, somebody alerted me to, like, hey, there's a Gentle Giant statue that says it's based on your art. Now, I've only drawn Snow Bunny Padme once, and that was for a trading card for Tops a couple years ago, and it's a completely different pose. I just loved the look of Snow Bunny Padme, and all I did was I took the minimalistic design that you have to have for an animated cartoon, and I just, what I call, I movied it up. I added some more detail, I added some textures and stuff like that. You know, you look at, like, the the animated Clone Wars 3PO versus the real 3PO, and you're going, wow, the real 3PO has more art deco lines, he's actually metallic and stuff like that. The animated versions are always more simplistic. All I did was go, if Natalie Portman had worn this at some point, how would it look? I think that's all Gentle Giant is actually basing that on. It's like, it's not based on any artwork I drew. The exact words they should be using is inspired by the style Aisle of Adam Hughes, because when we went back and looked at it, it's like, yeah, that, that looks like the way I drew Snow Bunny Padme, in that pose, you know, with, like, the very Gil Elvgren, you know, pin up like, pulling the boot on, and you're doing the glamorous toe point, that sort of looks like something I would draw, but it's really, like, a tremendous moment of Beatlemania, you know, where it's not Adam Hughes, but it's an incredible simulation, and I was, I'm watching it going, my wife and I were looking at this gentle giant statue going, Did you draw that? Wait, was this a con sketch? You know, like, we couldn't remember. And no, I I had never drawn it. I mean, I'm touched and I'm honored, but it's it's not 100% accurate to say it's based on my artwork. But, you know, I hope they give me a free one.
1: That's that's nice. I know that Topps card. It's you know on your DeviantArt page. It's a pretty popular you know Google image search. You can find that. And I gotta say, I don't think they did justice to the face that you drew on that Padme. Because that Padme face, you did a real good job of the Natalie Portman likeness. And as you say, you kind of do empowered women. But she looked kind of happy in that picture with Yoda. And the one that they've done, she's kind of scowling and sneering. And I'm like, you know, I I can see where it's inspired by you, but you do a better job with faces. But this is just a prototype. I wonder if they'll change it by
9: production. Yeah, there's things always kind of move on. I remember years ago when they did the Slave Leia reclining statue and Carrie Fisher walked by the Gentle Giant booth and like went berserk. I mean she went full on like like What's this? You know, and like, I mean, that was like the Playboy centerfold uh, slave Leia version of, you know, her. And she was like, What the hell is this? And they tweaked it a little bit, you know. So, yeah, things can change from prototype to production. You know, you talk about that, about the way faces look. And we're all just drawing Natalie Portman when we're doing Padme. Empirically, one of the most beautiful women in the world. You can sit there and go, Well, it's Natalie Portman. There are 10 gazillion photographs of her. It's not hard to, like, look at her and kind of get it right. But that thing you're talking about is something that I do in my artwork all the time which is people say oh how do you make these characters look like they've got life to them you know other people draw pretty girls they just look like statues they look like real dolls they're like replicants they're like Nexus 5 Playboy Buddies or something and uh, I always tell people I always draw characters from the inside out I always go well what's the character thinking what's on her mind you know what is she experiencing right here that's what I did with all my artwork, and that's what I did with the Snow Bunny Padme. I was like, yeah, I want to nail the, the likeness of Natalie Portman, and I want to bring the Clone Wars, the, the Gendi Tartovsky, um, I hope I pronounced his name right, cartoon to life, and sort of a, like as if the Clone Wars were like Star Wars Episode 2.5 or something. But when I just got down to drawing it, I'm going, well, what is Padme thinking right now? What is, what is actually going through her, her, her head at this moment? And that sort of informs how the face looks and how the, the posture of the body is. And I think that might be what you're talking about.
1: All right, well, Adam, thank you so much for the time. Fan of your work, fan of the statues, and I hope you have a good con.
9: Oh, thank you very much for having me. I hope everybody has a great San Diego Comic-Con.
1: So as I kind of indicated in that interview, I'm not going to be picking the statue up. Unless this final version differs considerably from the prototype, especially in the face. I think it's a great Natalie Portman likeness, but it's just not that great of a statue for the price.
6: The one thing I do like, I mean, I feel like Snow Bunny Padme has been kind of done and done to death over the years. And I mean, it's a cool pose, but I like that the Yoda that they have as a companion piece actually harkens back to that episode from the original Tartakovsky cartoon. You It makes you feel like it's more of a world building type of situation rather than just trying to cash in on Snow Bunny Padme once again.
1: But that was in Hughes' original sketch card, and I, I like that it's a companion piece. By the same token, I might be more inclined to pick it up if they were both for that same price that they're just charging for the Padme. <laughs>
6: yeah, it they would, they would be good to have them together.
2: It is kind of expensive, and he, I think you just really need to be in love with Snow and Padme to get it, or
1: that piece of art. I think that the showing here this year is much smaller than last year. Remember last year they had that gorgeous, giant... Darth Maul with the spider legs taking up a huge display and another large piece that they were doing the dual order for and everything. Here, as far as new statues go, all they really have is another holiday special Boba Fett maquette, and I already have one of those in my little dance troupe of Boba Fetts where they did the black and white, the holiday, and the classic.
2: Yeah, so really, do we need to go redundant on this?
6: It's actually a new sculpt. It's not just repainted as the other maquette is. And, you know, as a Boba Fett fan, that one really caught my eye. It's straight up from the Holiday Special Boba Fett with the different sculpt and the face mask. And he's holding his different gun with the prongs on the end. And I do have the other maquettes. I just don't have the Holiday Special colored one. So I'm I'm looking forward to finding out more about that one.
2: But how many holiday special mackets
1: does one need? But that one, if you recall, went crazy high on the secondary market. It was really tight at Celebration. Remember getting crunched in that line at Celebration to get it? We did get it. A lot of people don't have it. And like Justin said, I actually liked this one better because of that prong gun. It does look more holiday special instead of just kind of like the pop vinyl repaint.
6: Yeah, and the other two Boba Fetts that they came out of that Mechette line, they look the same. I mean, they're different poses. One comes with Han, and they're both in that Mechette animated style. But this is yet another style. It's not that kind of boxy angular. It's It's really styled after the cartoon, so it'll be a nice piece. Now, I'm going to share with our
1: listeners and you guys something I overheard, though, because I saw Greg, who's been on the show a number of times, giving a booth tour to somebody who I'm thinking is a buyer. And they looked at that, and she's asking what this is. And he said, it's Boba Fett. And she goes, well, the colors are off. And he goes, no, this is from the holiday special, and explaining that that was where Boba Fett first appeared. And then he said that George Lucas hated it so much, he didn't want anything made by it and wouldn't allow anything. And then he goes, but now there's new management. And Disney said, oh, you're going to write us a check? Make whatever you want.
2: That's going to be interesting for a number of reasons.
1: Maybe he was being flippant. I don't think that actually someone at Disney is sitting there, you're going to write me a check for that? You know, I I don't think they work like The Sopranos.
6: (laughs) But... Hey, but with old George no longer fully in control of the reins, it's not out of the realm of passability that Disney just doesn't care as much about the holiday special that George did. So it's it could be mine for what it's worth.
1: Maybe If the rights are there, and that's a huge thing is rights issues. A lot of things, like WKRP in Cincinnati, you love that show.
2: I love that show, and the rights issues with that show really irritate me because when they put it into syndication and on DVD, they didn't have the rights to use the original rock songs. And the classic one where Les Nessman gets dressed up to go out with the girl who he later finds out to be a prostitute loses all of its effectiveness when it is not played out to foreigners hot-blooded. And... Given that there was
1: Jefferson Starship and the Wookiee Hooker porn and all of that, and who knows what rights they signed to, but in the 70s, they weren't thinking about home video distribution, and they may not have the rights to sell that without going back and writing B. Arthur's estate a nice check.
2: I really don't think Jefferson Starship or whatever they call themselves now are up to much. Again, B. Arthur's estate. True. She is very revered.
6: Let's be honest, that was Harvey Corman's baby through and through. I mean, he played, what, three or four different characters? So it's his estate that's probably going to be looking for the payday.
1: And the actor inside Lumpy will also demand
6: royalties. (laughs) I heard a rumor that that was Nicholas from 8 is Enough when I was a kid, and I believed it.
1: (laughs) But, hey, let's get this back on track. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room or Stormtrooper that kind of looks like a plastic elephant. They've taken the Jumbo, and in the best of Hollywood mentality, if 12 inches is good, how about 60 inches, 72 inches?
2: I found it kind of creepy. In fact, I walked up, I didn't know what it was. I go, that's a really crappy Stormtrooper. And then he said, oh, it's the Jumbo figure. I'm like, oh, all right, and I moved on.
6: It's a little bit of a weird concept to me, because like, who's sitting around thinking, okay, what do collectors have just too much of?
9: Money. Money and space. So,
6: (laughs) I've got it. (laughs) A six-foot vintage-style stormtrooper that's articulated in four places.
1: Is it articulated or is it a statue?
6: No, I've seen the arms move. I'm not sure if the legs move, but people are moving the arms up and down. Wow.
1: You know what? I mean... I see it, and yet I don't. I see it as like something that, first of all, it comes blister carded, and you're keeping that mint on card. That's that's funny. That's actually humorous.
2: That's one hell of a crate being delivered to your house, too. Well, hey, Archon and Carbonite, been there. Yeah.
6: If you're a Stormtrooper vintage focus collector, this would be your craziest dream come true, because you could have a big centerpiece and put all of your stuff up around it. But other than that, maybe in a theater room or something? I don't know.
2: I blame Barney
1: Stinson. <laughs> I could see that. The way I saw it was also centerpiece, if you're keeping your jumbo collection mints on card and you're putting them all along a wall, maybe putting this in front and putting them around that might be a way to go. But man, it, that's an interesting one. You're right. It's just sometimes they really knock you for a loop with something you
6: never, ever saw coming. Yeah, I was surprised to find out that it's for sale. I really thought it was just boot dressing.
1: One of the things I always look forward to at San Diego Comic-Con is the Star Wars EU coverage. Del Rey has a presence this year. They had a number of authors signing. Troy Denning, John Jackson Miller, J.W. Rinsler. And I would say the book panel was the highlight of my convention.
2: You know, I thought So Too It was really great. It's probably one of the better panels I've sat through. I think some of the authors are really great storytellers in person and on the paper. But what was great was... When they were talking about the other making of Star Wars book, they showed a Star Wars gag reel that was 30-some years old from A New Hope, and it was fantastic to see Harrison Ford flub his lines.
1: Yeah, it was tremendous. You're not really a fan of the books the way I am. You've read some of them. I'm really into them. You... You like the good ones.
2: I do like the good ones. I also lack time. That's the biggest problem I have is I lack a lot of time.
1: But this book's panel was something for everyone. And I actually put on Facebook and Twitter, you wish you were here. Because they broke out this footage. Because when doing research for the making of Return of the Jedi, J.W. Rinsler uncovered footage that was long thought lost. There was the gag reel you mentioned about. There was also an animatic early cut of the scene from The Empire Strikes Back where Veers is killed. This was in the novelization. This was in the script. I was never even aware it had been filmed and uh, has no special effects. Actually was just basically crude animation of black and white line drawings of the snowspeeder hitting the at app But it actually had the footage of the people and scored to the A New Hope score...
2: Yeah, it was really interesting. I like to see stuff like that, and that's very entertaining, I think, to see the the behind-the-scenes things like that.
1: And what I understand is this was gonna be put out as part of the ebook edition. They're gonna be putting out ebooks of all three making of's and it's gonna have these extra features. So if you own the other books like I do, it looks like we're gonna to have to buy them again to see these behind the scenes things. Making of Return of the Jedi, looks like I'll have to buy it twice, once for the bookshelf and once for the footage. But if the footage is like what we saw yesterday, amazing. I got the same giddiness as I got in celebration when they showed the Luke Skywalker building his lightsaber scene yeah it was wonderful and also here Dark Horse one of the big new series is Star Wars Nathan and I did a review of that and I got a chance to talk to the guys who bring the glorious art to Star Wars the comic here's that interview I'm here with Gabe El Taib and Carlos D'Anda, the artists who bring the Star Wars series, not the Star Wars, but Star Wars series to life. Hello, sirs, and thank you for joining me. Hello, hello. How's it going? Nice to be here. Now, for our listeners who aren't familiar with your work outside of Star Wars, can you tell them a little bit about your comic book background and how you came to be involved
10: with Star Wars? And we'll start with you, Gabe. Well, my comic book background is, uh, like most people, I started with small press and little things in college and this and that, working at the city paper, the college paper. And I would hang out on the Image Comics message boards in the early 2000s. And uh, a guy out of Bermuda gave me a job during the Dangerous Dozen, it was a uh, Big Ed Press, it was some small little book, but Norm Fogel was drawing it, so I had really good pencils and inks to color on, so it looked pretty nice. And then long story short, uh, many jobs and things later, I'm up late one night, Jim Lee's my favorite artist, so I'd always read his blog, and he put up a picture saying we need a new staff colorist at Wildstorm. So I stayed up late that night and uh, colored the Superman drawing, emailed it in, and uh, a few weeks later they called me and offered me a job at Wildstorm. So I was at wildstorm from the end of 2007 until it closed and moved up to burbank and that was 2010 is when it closed carlos in 2010 yeah so yeah i've been out of wildstorm for three years as a freelancer carlos and i immediately after i left wildstorm we did a mini series for dc arkham city with paul zini and it linked the first video game to the second and i guess Ryan Wood said to Randy Stroud that he saw our art in the Arkham City thing, and he really wanted Carlos and I to do the art for Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty
11: much it. As far as I go, I've done a ton of work, but more recently, probably the stuff that I'm the most recognized for is uh, the Arkham City and Arkham Asylum designs, and also the comic book. But I, I've done like JLA and regular Batman and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, it's like Brian saw something in, in, in the work that he dug. I was actually planning on taking a hiatus from comics and kind of like focus again on concept design. But when you get a call to do Star Wars with the classic characters, you don't say no, you know? So yeah.
1: So what is your background with Star Wars like as fans?
11: For me, I mean, it's like I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, you know, it's like Star Wars is it's kind of part of the landscape, you know, um, it's one of those books that uh, or those stories that just like stay with you because it's very much a modern fairy tale, you know, it's like struggle between good and evil and good guys, bad guys. And as a kid, I think that stays with you and you grew up remembering it. So now to be working on it, on the characters that you were in front of a TV as a four-year-old eating, you know, corn pops and you get to draw them now, it's just fantastic.
10: Again, I'm the same as Carlos. I'm 34 years old. I'll be 35 in a few days. So I was saying at the panel this morning for Star Wars, I don't ever remember discovering Star Wars. It was just always part of my reality. You know what I mean? You don't remember meeting your mom and dad. They were just always there. And... Mom and dad's more important, of course, but Star Wars was just always there. Someone in my family must have liked it. Someone in my family must have liked it because we always had the toys and the movies going on TV. But I had the weirdest Star Wars stories. I played with my older brother, Abe. He's a year and a half older than me. And so we wouldn't fight. My grandma would always buy two of every character. So there were two Chewbacca's, two Hansel's. So we had some pretty weird alternate universe stories growing up. A lot of fun. So yeah, Star Wars was just always a reality to me growing up. And um, it gave me my love of drawing. My parents were both finishing up college and stuff and my brother was already in kindergarten. So I was left alone in my grandparents' restaurant back in the kitchen while they were cooking and working on this and that. And I pull out rolls of butcher paper and just draw giant Star Wars space battles at age probably three, four years old. And that's what got me into a love of drawing. So now to be working on it and to have signed my fourth contract with Lucasfilm and Dark Horse, it's unbelievable to me. It's just a real blessing and a privilege. So.
11: That is surreal when you get that that uh, that piece of paper with a header that says Lucasfilm.
10: It's, it's just, it's weird, you know? Yeah, it takes a little while to be like, holy crap, this, this is the Lucasfilm header, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I've used that contract for uh, one of my kids was having a hard time in an algebra class and I went into my old drawer next to my drawing table where all the comic books happen and I pull out my rejection letters from Dark Horse and DC and Marvel and all that, the old rejection letters I used to get and I show my daughter the rejection letter from Dark Horse from from like 2000 or 2001, and then I show her the contract from Lucas from the Dark Horse, and I said, "See, the difference here is a decade of hard work and just keeping your nose down and fight, 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 and you can achieve things if you just keep working on it." You know what I mean? So, it's a real eye opener to me to have those rejection letters from Star Wars and Dark Horse, and then to have the contract. You know what I mean? It's really cool. So. Oh, that's a great inspirational
1: story. You know, for a lot of people out there in a lot of different careers. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. So, when looking at Star Wars, and especially this era that takes place right after A New Hope, you guys grew up with Star Wars. How much kind of visual research do you have to do going back to the movies or the Marvel comics that also covered this era for reference? And this is more to you, Carlos, because you do the line work for your designs of
11: the people, the ships, and the scenes. For me, uh, Star Wars is pretty much like any other, like really established, very loved property. I don't like to look at it too much as I'm working on it because I don't want to be a slave to the reference. But I almost like pre-soak. You know, it's like I'll uh, before I started drawing it, I started watching all the movies again and looking at the classic artwork by uh, McCreary and Joe Johnson, and all these guys because I want to look at the original stuff. I, I don't want to look at at more recent artwork. For Star Wars, I want to look at, like, the 70s work, you know? So I I like to look at that stuff a lot, soak in it, and then put it away, and then start working on it, you know? Uh, And that's usually my my method for doing things, because you want it, to be honest, to the spirit of, of the book, but at the same time, you don't want to be so strictly adhered to it that it starts getting stiff, you know? So that was kind of my thing. And then Gabe, we were talking right before the interview about
10: how you had to go back, we were looking at some armor and things and finding the different references. Yeah, we were talking about uh, Boba Fett's gauntlets and how sometimes they're red and sometimes they're greenish-blue and I can't figure it out, but I just go with red because it's more pleasing. And then you explained to me that one of those is Return of the Jedi and one of those is Empire. I never picked up on that. So yeah, I guess for me, looking at references more to get all those colors correct, but Believe it or not, there's a whole document from Lucasfilm that tells the colorists in what era, what color are the lasers for the rebellion, what color are the lasers for the empire. There's a note in there that says, do not draw the reflection of the lightsaber on Darth Vader's armor because in the movie, it doesn't reflect on him because in the movie, it's not there. It's green screened in or whatever. So you'll see his red lightsabers up by his face. I will not hit him back with red light. If I did, it's a mistake. I'm not supposed to. So, But there's all kinds of color notes that Lucasfilm sent me before I even started. So I guess for me, like Carlos said, I don't want to be a slave to what has come before, but you want to get the broad strokes right. You just want to get the feeling right, the spirit of it. Yeah. You know, you want to be honest to that feeling because people are going to know, you know. But if you're too tight with reference, like Carlos said, it just stiffens up and dies. So, There's a very fine line whenever you do any love property between sticking to
11: and respecting all the hard work that came before you. But at the same time not being a slave to it because I think that's actually a great disservice to it. You know, it's like you wanna you wanna respect it but have fun with it at the same time. And I always say this, but it's like have a healthy level of slight selfishness. You know, it's like this is this is your toy at this particular second, so definitely respect everything that came before you, but right now have fun with it. So what is your process
1: of you two working together? You worked together before Star Wars and now you're working together for
10: many issues of this. how's your flow? How's your rapport? (laughs) I'll I'll field this one. He eats up the whole deadline, and I have to color everything at the last minute. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. You can go ahead, because you kind of made up the the way we work together. Uh,
11: Well, you know, when when we were working on uh, on the Arkham City comic book, I I had a very particular idea of of how I wanted the colors. But the problem is that a lot of times you, you know, it's like... Collaboration in artists, sometimes it's a contradiction of terms. And it can actually be very hard to find another artist that is willing to collaborate with you. So that is one thing that, because we knew each other from before as friends, and I also knew that he was very talented, I felt free to, be, to tell him, you know what, dude, I would love you to work on this, but I have these ideas. And, and, are, and are you willing to, to collaborate on this? And, and it worked out really well. Uh, the reaction from, from the fans of the editors was pretty cool. So to me, when, when, uh, when I was asked to do Star Wars, I couldn't think about doing it with anybody else that wasn't gay because I already knew that we could work together, you know, and achieve the look that, you know, because so I would actually say that what matters more on Star Wars, more so than even the line art, I think it's the colors. The colors need to look right because the colors is what takes you straight to the movie. Now, you know, because some of the line art you can kind of fake, but if the colors are wrong, it'll, it'll look like totally off. And, and that's why I take my hat off to Gabe, because he's managed to capture the spirit
10: of the color palette of those movies, you know? But just in very general, Carlos will do the pages. He'll send them to me, and then like a day or two, I'll send them to my assistant to get them flatted. I'm not sure people know what flatting is, but they can look that up. I'm not going to go into that right now. Google it. He'll send me notes that sort of have rough versions of where to put the light and the shadow and this and that, just general ideas. I mean, he'll leave the heavy lifting to me, but he'll give me a basic framework of what he wants here and what he wants there. I send it back to him. He says, oh, this is great. Tinker this, tinker that. So it's real like, I played a lot of football growing up, so I understand a chain of command. I understand the whole totem pole thing. And you got to check your ego when you're going to work this way, because I have to tell myself he's in charge. You know what I mean? He's the quarterback. I'm the lineman. We're all on the football team. We all win. We all get a Super Bowl So, I'm happy to be there. And it's a huge compliment that he said that he wanted to work
1: with you for this, you know, yeah. to single you out like that, to show that trust to you. So, you know, you say chain
11: of command, but I think that shows a lot of healthy well, mutual respect. You know, this, this is a collaborative effort, you know. It's like, to me, chain of command, no, like we have one boss and he's the editor over there, you know, and I think for us it's really more about unifying a vision. Like, if I'm thinking of something, I want to make sure that I express that to Gabe to the best of my ability so that things are more cohesive. Because very often in comics due to deadlines, things kind of go the own way just because the artist is doing one thing the couch is doing something else it needs to get done by yesterday so they tend to suffer from lack of cohesion and in this case we do have the luxury of being able to work together know each other and being able to talk to each other like any other friendship relationship like it's a push and pull you know yeah
1: well guys thank you very much for your time i'm a fan of your work i love the comic and i appreciate you talking to me thank you very much thank you very much Thanks to those gents and to Dark Horse for setting up that interview. Going from one of the highest points to one of the lowest points of the con for me, though, the Lucasfilm Pavilion. I remember when that was so cool. There was the Star Wars shop, feed from Hasbro shop, both with exclusive figures. FX Collectibles was in there. All these great things. Wow, it really felt like I'd stepped into something totally different. It felt... And I know I'm thinking this because Disney bought Lucasfilm, but it felt like I was in the Disney store.
2: Yeah, it was totally different feel for Lucasfilm because there were just Star Wars products and it wasn't much Star Wars itself because there's nothing to promote now because we don't know anything about the new movie or anything like that. So it was just retailers, some selling, some not, just kind of under one umbrella.
1: Yeah, it was so much stuff. And as a collector, I like stuff, but There's a limit to the number of T-shirts and sunglasses and little race cars and things. It all felt transitory. None of it felt like something to be celebrated at a convention. It felt like level of stuff, like when you go to Target and we talk about that Millennium Falcon T-shirt, like a whole bunch of that only at Comic-Con.
2: It actually felt more like a trade show, not a convention like what we're seeing here, but like where you go and look at wares, and then you can place your order for your shop. And
1: the epitome of that to me is Petco being here.
2: I disagree. I actually was excited about the Petco items because I do have dogs, and I love my dog. Do You love our dogs, too. And they have different new items for dogs. They have toys, leashes, harnesses, clothing. There's a Chewbacca hoodie little t-shirts that say, judge me by my size, do you?
1: And you know what? I think it's a very cute line. I really do. It's just, it was so much of that at this con that I felt a little overwhelmed. I'm very happy we got little Yoda ears for our dogs.
2: Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm going to take pictures of my dogs with the Yoda ears before they eat them. Who knows how long they'll be able to stay on their head before they revolt. But I went to the Petco party. They had a yappy hour, which was a lot of fun. It's probably one of the most surreal parties I've been to at comic-con and they invited local people with their dogs to bring their dogs and we got to see dogs playing with star wars tennis balls and these star wars water dishes and you could have your dog's portrait drawn with star wars as a character i saw a great darth max a big um chocolate lab the oddest part was a guy dressed as jack sparrow with a dog he called his commandant who was also dressed like a pirate i think they got confused on the party <laughs> It
1: does sound like it was a lot of fun. I wasn't able to go with you, but...
2: The weird part was it's the only party I've ever had that didn't have any food, the only food they had was dog biscuits. I've been to parties where
1: the only food tasted like dog biscuits.
2: No, they actually had, like, a huge buffet of dog treats for dogs. And good dog treats, too, not like those cheap, you know, milk bones.
1: Yeah, I just think that as far as Star Wars itself goes, like you said, there's nothing to promote yet where... The calm before the storm, but they needed to fill the pavilion. And I liked some of the Her Universe shirts. You bought a couple of them.
2: I did. I bought the kind of looking like tie-dye shirt, kind of marbled. It was gray. It says Star Wars on it, just in yellow. And then I bought the Boba Fett tank top that they had with like flowers. It was very reminiscent of Hispanic art.
1: Yeah, kind of that Day of the Dead type candy, do they
2: call it? Yeah, it was very pretty. Sugar skulls, kind of like that design. That's the
1: words I'm thinking of, sugar skulls.
2: Yeah, I can understand I can get skulls confused with candy.
1: We passed on the necklace this year. Actually, we bought one because I'm shopping for Duncan. but this is your first year not getting their exclusive piece of jewelry.
2: You know, it just didn't seem very original compared to the first one they came out at Celebration 5. It just was, eh. I passed on it. It just really didn't do anything for me.
1: You never wear the other ones I have gotten you either, so I was behind you on that decision because if it's not something you're going to wear, it's not something that I really need to have a collection of is women's jewelry.
2: I was really hoping they continue on with the charm line, but I think that's just dead.
1: Yeah, it was charming. Ha. So, with us now is Justin, co host of Marvelicious Toys, and Barrett, podcast enhancer and reporter for Star Wars Action News. We had the Star Wars fan breakfast, the third annual Star Wars fan breakfast on Saturday morning, and I think it was a great success. Troy Denning showed up, John Jackson Miller. Dan Wallace, and then some of the guys from Diamond Select showed up as well. And we had tons of prizes. That prize table made me impressed. And I kind of knew what was coming, but half of it was shipped here to Barron because you're California native. The other half I had to go booth to booth to pick up. We ended up taking like 10 boxes of stuff there. And it was just an
6: impressive spread. Edgewater Grill, always great. You know, I was saying earlier, I think almost every group of people, every table... Almost every one of them walked away with some sort of prize. You know, there was that many prizes in there. They were all quality things. I would have been happy to have any one of them. Me too.
8: And, you know, not just only the fans, but the service and the food. And it was just a great atmosphere. There was probably, before we opened, there was a lot of people in line uh, to work the crowd. Everybody waited real patiently. We had some really cool breakfast Star Wars fan breakfast cosplay. That was cool. We had the Leia Uh, cinnamon buns it was a great time and you know seeing everybody that uh, we talked to on the forums and on Twitter and Facebook and just everybody seemed to have a really good time and I think it was a really good start to that day of the con on Friday
2: Yeah, I think it was a really great time. I think that Edgewater Grill, again, did a fantastic job. The buffet was new this year, which actually I think was a lot better because you could just go and eat. They didn't have to cook a whole bunch of different things, and they really laid out the food. I mean, we had pancakes, sausage, bacon, eggs, fruit.
1: Two types of potatoes. Who puts out two types of potatoes?
6: The biggest bowl of yogurt I've ever seen in my life.
2: (laughs) Apparently the yogurt was phenomenal, too. Like, two people mentioned, oh, my God, that yogurt was so good. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's just yogurt, guys, but okay.
1: Yeah, it reminded me of that old, what was that MTV show where they had, like, 50 gallons of vanilla pudding? That was the state. Yes. Barry and LeVon. Yes, that's <laughs> what it was making me think of when I saw that yogurt is the two of them rubbing their butts in the pudding.
2: <laughs> Wait, did someone rub their butt in the yogurt and I missed it?
1: if so I missed it too because all four of us were so busy that morning giving away prizes oh god never had 200 people at one of the breakfasts before we've had it at our parties at celebration far more than that but for the breakfast so definitely learned a couple of things this year that we're going to be using next year one of which is bring a PA system so that we don't have to have this prison like 411 411 dude you 411 you're winning
2: a Sideshow Boba Fett, anyone. I know, I don't understand how Baron's not a horse today because I'm a little horse because I had to shout so loud and then it's like I had an echo, it was just a really deep echo.
8: I'm surprised I'm not in jail today because if nobody would have known if a couple of those prizes would have walked away. But-
1: <laughs> I know but i know because I have a spreadsheet. I have a spreadsheet right here because I need to thank some major people. Chronicle Books, who set us up with several copies of Darth Vader and Son that we gave away. And it was great. A number of kids won that. You know, how do we know when we pull a number out of a hat who's going to win? But it always seemed to be kids. I mean, maybe there were a lot of parents there. Maybe the parents sent the kids up to get it, but that was great. Hallmark, everybody there got a Hallmark cup, one of those collectible cups like you find at Walmart, and a full set of their new ornaments and that Rancor exclusive ornament. Kotobukiya gave us the R2-D2-C3PO Artifacts Plus statue set. Diamond Select hooked us up with some bust banks and bottle openers. Del Rey books and Del Rey audio from random house so many copies of crucible and then troy denning had his own line at the breakfast table to sign them all i was first in that line i went up to him and said sir i'm gonna be the guy who asked you to sign a book before you've had your breakfast <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy we've hung out quite a bit with troy now he gets it
2: i just want to say troy is one of the nicest people i've ever met and he is so much fun to hang out with we've hung out with him before and i know he's a good guy
1: Uncle Milton, we had two of their science sets there that we gave away. Mimoko with one of the exclusive, limited to a thousand piece Chewbacca thumb drives. Complete Publications with the copy of Gus and Duncan's book there. Sideshow, six, count them, six 12 inch figures. Two Obi Wan's, two Tuskins, two Boba Fett's. You want to talk about something you could have walked away with? That Boba Fett. I was like, yeah, Boba Fett, eh. Super Seven giving us three of their exclusive T-shirts. Jedi Temple Archives sending us a huge wave of figures. Those hard-to-find figures. Darth Malgus wave. Curious Goods with the zombie stormtrooper that I was scared a little kid would win and then scream and run away crying. <laughs> Galactic Hunter giving us a mini bus that was just totally awesome. A Retro Outlaw with Evil Fed, And then, of course, we had some breakfast T-shirts and some other items that we brought. And, Barrett, you really blew me away with what you brought from Star Wars Action News. A prize, again, that I could have walked out of there with.
8: Yeah, you know, uh, Carmel and I ordered some wine uh, a while back, about a year ago, from the Lucas Vineyards, uh, Skywalker Ranch Vineyards. Oh, so it's
6: old wine?
8: No, 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 this was the new wine. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I'm not a big wine drinker, so we just ordered it just to taste it. And uh, we liked it so much that I knew that the breakfast was coming up, so I ordered another box it's basically two wine bottles in a box in a collectible skywalker ranch box that's
1: printed on the on the top box was awesome i mean the box alone is a collectible
8: yeah it's awesome and so uh, they only shipped to california so i decided to go ahead and get uh, a couple bottles and we gave them out and i think that uh, the gentleman who won was very happy
1: his daughter won first and i'm like no we're going to redraw unless you have id and she then suddenly had her father show up and (laughs) that worked out Kids today, she'll probably drink it.
8: Yeah. (laughs) Have a little taste. They do it in Europe all the time.
1: Well, I have to say, it was a fun time. And honestly, this is something we've done three years now. And we always see how it goes. And it's not like at Comic-Con, we all want to wake up at five
2: in the morning. It's not like we all are... You guys got up at five. I was up at like four.
6: Can I propose like a Wednesday morning brunch next time?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But... The response was so phenomenal this year that definitely we are already talking about plans for next year. So if you didn't make it this year, hopefully next year we can make it even better. I've already been talking to some of the people who donated prizes for this year and some of the people who didn't get a chance to donate prizes. And they have already said next year not only do they want to donate prizes, but they want to come to the breakfast. So there's some names I'm not going to say because I don't want to make any promises because I'm not them and I can't hold them to it. And things said at Comic-Con often stay at comic-con but i'm already looking forward to how the breakfast is going to be next year stay tuned for details on that in about 11 months after i'm rested from these cons Finally, one of the companies that had a great showing at the collectibles panel was FX Collectibles. They've been kind of in the wings for a while, waiting on stuff, but revealing a full suit of Stormtrooper armor that looks amazing. And is cast from the original one, the one that stands to the right of Princess Leia, our left, her right, when she's saying, Darth Vader, only you could be so bold. That exact armor had been cast and reproduced in a full body suit that is actually far less than I'd expected between 2000 and 2500 for a full suit.
2: That's a really good price, I think. Now, is it something you can wear, or is it for display only like Barney Stinson? It's for display only like Barney Stinson,
1: unless you happen to be exactly the shape and size of that actor who happened to wear it at that time. Got it. It's not going to be like the museum replicas where they talked about having the different sizes of armor and whatnot. This is a prop replica, exactly. And... I would be very loath to wear something out like that because scratches and whatnot. You're wearing a prop replica, not a costume. You got rubies for your costumes.
2: Exactly. It was pretty cool. It'd be very interesting to have, but I think pretty much anybody that watches any recent comedy shows would accuse you of being like Barney Stinson.
1: Not if it's in a massive collection. If you have just a loft apartment or high-rise in New York and that's your only Star Wars item, then yes. Yeah, I guess you have a point. And if you tell people that that Stormtrooper armor is legend, wait for it. Dairy. Ah! But that's not the thing that caught my eye. And the Boba Fett helmet isn't the thing that caught my eye, even though that's very cool. I have had on my Holy Grail list for a long time the Master Replicas Y-Wing. And I've had an eBay save search. I actually talked to the guys at FX about this because they used to work for Master Rebel They said there was one on eBay and it sold for about $2,500 recently. I didn't even see that auction.
2: No, that didn't come up because I actually have a save search up for that because I keep trying to find one for you, but it never comes up.
1: Well... Brian Ono told me he actually wasn't very happy with the Master Replicas Y-Wing. First of all, the back nacelles broke. Not in shipping, not a problem. It's just it's a very small piece, and as people bought them, packed them, repacked them, that was the most fragile part, and that would snap. But he also said that because of the prop that they used... It was a mold of a cast of a mold, or a cast of a mold of a cast, or something like that. It was several generations away from the true prop replica, and just wasn't as sharp as he would have liked. He would have liked it to be sharper. The word he used to describe it was muddied.
2: Hmm, interesting.
1: So now he's getting to do the Y-Wing he always wanted to do. And they had an unpainted model of it there, and there's nothing muddy about it. It is sharp. It has the astromech in it. You can see in the cockpit all the details. It may be that this will satiate me, that I can scratch the several thousand dollar one off my list if they come out with this and it's a really high quality piece.
2: I would think if it's better and better constructed that I think it should satiate you.
1: Yeah, so I'm very excited by that. The Stormtrooper armor, very expensive, far less than what I think Sideshow would charge for a life-size Stormtrooper. But FX has said they're not sure if it will come with or without mannequin. You may have to find mannequins. And people who collect like this know mannequins are hard to find anymore.
2: They are, and you end up looking like a creep sometimes when you buy them.
1: Well, that's only when you want the female torso that starts at the bust and goes down. That's the really weird part. You're buying body parts. It's all very weird. But... FX Collectibles probably is my favorite new reveal here at the con. Sideshow, as we said, they kind of blew their wad before the con. FX Collectibles was the booth that I spent the most time ooing and eyeing over their upcoming Star Wars products. Now, I've learned to be patient with them. That Y-Wing maybe several years away. Remember the year that I flipped out? They showed the TIE Fighter, the TIE Interceptor, and Darth Vader's TIE Fighter all at once? Yeah, I don't remember how long ago that was. They, this is their fifth year in business, and I think that was at their second one wow so they've since given up i guess on the tie interceptor and things they've just really slowed down on the output that second year it looked like they were just gonna hit us with so much but that's great and they've said that they're prime they're excited for episode
2: seven it'll be interesting to see how that changes collectibles absolutely
1: what was your high point of the
2: con then like seeing the petco stuff i know it's silly but i think it's great to have some stuff for the dogs well little stanley you're laughing at me
1: i'm just thinking the angry birds are for the dogs
2: well stanley would eat them he is a goat but you know little stanley has his toys that are larger than him that he falls in love with and then become his life partners i think he needs to start dating a stormtrooper Well,
1: that is it. We're going to put a button on San Diego Comic-Con, and in just a few days, we're going to step on a plane for Germany.
2: Yay, another
1: trip. I'm excited because Hasbro said there will be more reveals. I didn't think there would be because it was just Hasbro Germany. I talked to the guys at Hunter. Yeah, Hasbro Germany is doing it, but several members of the Star Wars brand team will be in Germany. They'll be revealing more black figures in both the three and three quarter and six-inch lines. So I am very excited to see what they didn't show me here. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So until next week, Avita Shane
2: makes me think of the sound of music
0: thank you for listening to star wars action news we hope you've enjoyed the show We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at swactionnews.com. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that podcast at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out galactichunter.com, jedidefender.com, jedi-temple-archives.com, and yakface.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. You can help support Star Wars Action News by making a donation using the Donate button at SWActionNews.com or by using affiliate links on the Star Wars Action News homepage when shopping online. Your support helps keep Star Wars Action News on the air. We also appreciate it if you would spread the word about Star Wars Action News. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly Appreciate A five star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes page is at SWActionNews.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is segment reporters Jerry, Brock, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve, graphic design by Chris, image editing by Jay, podcast enhancement by Andrew and Barrent. associate produced and podcast announcements by Brock. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you.